0: Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Tool. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, I'm happy to welcome Iona Brannon. Iona is a journalist who loves writing stories that bring out the humanity and community between all of us, especially at the intersections of travel, food, and personal finance. She writes for outlets such as Cutting Us Traveler, Afar, Travel and Leisure, Lonely Planet, U.S. News and World Report, Refinery29, Fodors, and many more. Hi, Iona. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. So let's start by you walking us through your career a little bit to this point.
1: Sure. So I studied journalism in school. And then once I finished school I realized that journalism jobs don't pay very well so I went into marketing they
0: didn't tell you that in school because I think I heard that every day I mean I feel like
1: it's different it's different when you when you are not living on campus you're not eating the food at the cafeteria okay you know when you when you're paying LA rent it, it really hits different so that does that does yeah. I was like, okay, this is not going to cut it. So I, I went into marketing and that's kind of what I did until the pandemic hit actually. Well, right before the pandemic hit, I was trying to figure out doing, getting back into it and trying to figure out how to cold pitch and yeah. cold pitching, which is, you know, the bread and butter for any freelance journalist. is kind of hard to figure out if you have never done it before. And we weren't really taught. I think there was like maybe one day that was like, this is how you query. And it was like printing out a letter and Ugh. mailing it to them, you know, so it's like <laughs> and very, you're not very old, old So that's really old school, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, not to put my school on blast. But um, <laughs> um, so when the pandemic hit, I was furloughed for a little bit, like I was working mm-hmm. part time. So I finally had the time the opportunity to take this pitching course that I had been, I had been listening to this podcast. I really liked what they said on the podcast. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to sign up for this pitching course. see how it goes. And it was um, Rebecca Weber's freelance writer's bootcamp. That's the pitching course. And honestly, that's when things started to, I was like, okay, I can actually do this. This isn't as intimidating as I thought it would be. And You know, of course, there's like the dream publications that I think every writer wants to get into, but my main passion was travel. Right. So I was like, okay, I want to write. I want to write about travel, and so I started finding the strategies and the mindset from my course, and then I started getting assignments, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like <laughs> this works. This is real. And yes. so that's kind of how I started doing part time journalism while I was still working my full-time by that time I'd switched back to full-time we had been moved back to Mm full-time so then you know as I was continuing to get clips in journalism I was like okay this is getting to a point where I kind of need to just make a decision am I going to become a full-time journalist or am I going to stay in marketing and so it was almost a year ago that I decided to take the jump into full-time freelancing.
0: So wow, and a lot yeah. has happened in a year.
1: <laughs> yes, a lot
0: has happened for sure. That's yeah, amazing. So. What was the what was the one that you were the most surprised to hear back from in your pitches? In the very
1: beginning, I think Bon Appetit was probably like such a shock for me to hear back about. Yeah, and it was they were doing a restaurant update at the beginning of the pandemic you know how like restaurants were shutting down or they were figuring out they were quote unquote pivoting um so they were doing this like restaurant diaries series and so I pitched a restaurant to the restaurant diaries and they're like this sounds cool okay and I was like wait what (laughs) You, you want it and then of course you know the existential crisis of delivering with uh, imposter syndrome began, but right, uh, you know, it worked out, and I still write for Bon Appetit as well. So
0: that is great, and I and you know how PR people feel when when a journalist is like, "Yes, I would love that story, I'd love to do mm-hmm. that story." Like- <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, I
1: think there's so many parallels between you know the job of a PR and the job of a freelancer.
0: Yes, so much, so much. So through that first year, you know, what have been some of your highlights?
1: it's hard for me to think about what stories I've done. Yeah. Because once you send it off to the editor, you don't know when, you know, depending on the publication, every editor has a different timeline. So sometimes you don't see the story live until like four months later and you've forgotten about the story. Right. And, so, and sometimes, and you, sometimes, you know, PRs are the ones that email me and they're like, Hey, I saw the story. I'm like, Oh, it's live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I think, off the top of my head, there's a couple of stories that were pretty impactful to me. I've written a couple of deeper pieces for AFAR this year that um, I think are some of my favorites. Because when I first began, that was one of the reasons I also jumped into full-time freelancing. Because I wanted to have more capacity to take on longer stories or longer form with yeah. like more research. So I did one on how to interact with indigenous culture wherever you're traveling in the United States. And that one was really, was such an incredible learning experience for me too, interviewing different indigenous educators. And I also did one on how to travel sober and interviewed this incredible woman, um, Brittany, about her sober journey and her tips for other people who are trying to travel while yeah. still being sober. Yeah. yeah. Or starting out, you know, in their in their journey. So that was also just an incredible story to be able to write. And I mean, I think just being able to being able to hear people's stories regardless of what the angle is cuz I've done a couple, you know, I did one recently for Success magazine. I don't I don't think it's out yet, but it was interviewing this family who did not come from a background where they had a lot of financial education. And then the way that they intentionally decided, hey, we're not going to live like this, but we we don't want to set up our son to have the same experience that we had. And then they were like, okay, go to YouTube university, you know, and learned <laughs> all that they could. And now yeah. they have this incredible business. They have like really sound financial um, ground and they also are sharing, they're sharing information about traveling, but they're also sharing information about financial literacy. So just like, that was a really awesome story for me to write as well, because I was able to hear this story and be able to, you know, interpret it into, into article form. But yeah, I, I love, I love all the stories that I write, but those are just a few that on the, off the top of my head, I was the most excited to work on.
0: Well, we will definitely link to those so our listeners can can read them for sure if they haven't already. And you are not only a writer, but also a photojournalist. How did you get yes. into photography?
1: I have always been into photography for as long as I've had a camera. Like back okay. when you had those little point and shoot cameras that,
0: right? you know, you're like
1: looking at the megapixels <laughs> that they offer. Um, so I, I want to say I was like, twelve when I got my first point and shoot camera, so I've always been super into photography, but it wasn't until I was in school, I took my uh, concentration was in photojournalism. Okay. Um, And so that's when I really began to hone in on the storytelling aspect of photography and really seeing things like more and in the bigger picture. And my, my photography professor, he was this incredible, magical man and incredible mentor. So Mm. he definitely impacted the way that I see photography immensely.
0: I love following your travels on Instagram and now TikTok. (laughs) What have been, um, some of your favorite recent travels?
1: So uh, this summer I've done quite a bit of water-based activities. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. gone on quite a few cruises, um, which like, is funny because I've never been on a cruise before this summer. <laughs> and like, then I was like on three different cruises
0: oh, wow! and
1: those were a super blast. So I love being on the water. I'm not really a swimmer at all. So okay. being on a boat is kind of the best scenario yeah. for me where I'm like surrounded by the water, but I'm not scared of like being in the water sure where were you your know? cruises the first one was in alaska the second one was in maine and the third one was in europe mm. was it a river cruise no it wasn't actually it was a, oh, okay. it was just a luxury cruise along the coast of like we were in like croatia and mm. um greece and montenegro so it was. it was really beautiful
0: I bet that was amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talking more about your stories, how do you get your story ideas and decide, you know, which you will pitch and cover?
1: So I think most journalists are extremely curious people. True. I'm (laughs) super curious. So if if there's something that piques my curiosity and it's something that I want to investigate, then I'll figure out a way to to make it a story, if that makes sense. And I think that's the best part about being a freelance journalist, right? You get to control the stories that you decide to pursue uh, more or less. Of course, editors have to accept your pitches and think, and also think that is worthy of pursuing. But in general, I think I love the, the ability to, to choose. This is something that I find interesting. This is something that I'm passionate about. Let me let me write about it and let me write about that. So I think if if there's a question of how does that work, then I usually try to dig a little bit deeper.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: And then I ask myself, is this something that I'm curious about because I'm curious about everything? Or is this something that the general public would also be curious about?
0: Yeah. I love how you describe, you say you write stories that bring out the humanity and community between all of us, especially at the intersections of travel, food, and personal finance. I love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think everything is interconnected, right? Like um, travel, food, and money. I think they're all so, so important. Like I, I think about a story that I wrote about Greenville, recently, Greenville, South Carolina, what comes to mind to me is the food scene. And the food scene there made such a big impact on me that I thought, wow, this is a compelling reason for people to come to the city. And and so there's like the travel and the food connected, right? And then within that food scene, there's so many individual chefs that have their own stories of struggles and this and that. And, you know, when it comes to to what they're doing, that's like a million different features that are waiting to be written, right? And it's, it's not just one it story. It is limitless. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but I feel like personal finance is a, is like a is a topic that I'm trying to intentionally pursue more stories in. Um, okay, and it's kind of, it is challenging to be intentional about one specific sector because sometimes you know, you have a thousand different ideas that are a thousand different sectors. And it's like, okay, I can't just write the stories that come easily. I also have to be intentional about what stories I want to write. Sure. And um, personal finance is just, it's a huge passion for me because that impacts every aspect of our life, right? Like yeah. every aspect. And so seeing it in travel and the way it intersects with travel, you know, I've done some features about women and travel and like their businesses, but in the more like personal side of the personal finance, mm-hmm. I I'm hoping to get more into conscientious spending and being intentional about where our money goes. Because I don't I don't know if um, the listeners know this, but so much money that gets put into the travel industry or gets spent in travel goes back to you know a very few powerful, um, high income countries. And it doesn't actually stay within the community where you're, where you're actually located when you're traveling. So that's something that I'm passionate about. I want to, I want to, you know, write more about and educate more on.
0: Yes, that's great. And, you know, if you go, um, into other industries, then you're going to have more PR people contacting you in different industries <laughs> if you're not you know not just travel and personal finance and then, and then even more so that could be an issue <laughs> yeah
1: I mean let me tell you I'll like write one story about something and then <laughs> next thing I know you know I'm getting pitches for the next three years about children's one toys thing.
0: Yeah, right. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. So speaking of that, you know, do you work with public relations professionals very often? How can they help you do your job? And then any pet peeves, which we may have just mentioned a little bit.
1: Yes. So I actually uh, love this question that you're asking because I think that there is such a huge opportunity for freelance journalists and PRs to work together because they're, freelance journalists are always looking for great story ideas, right? And PRs are always trying to get their stories in front of an audience. And so I I love when there is a understanding between me and PRs of like, hey, this is what I'm, this is what I need. Do you have anything that fits that bill? And them also understanding that I don't have the power to put something into a publication you know like I like I'm just trying to get paid girly like I (laughs) will you know like (laughs) I want my stories to get accepted by these publications just as much as you do right Um, right so I think that sometimes there is a uh, lack of understanding I think between the two industries of of what like what do freelance journalists do? We, we're we pitching constantly too. We're looking for stories constantly too. And um, for me, a personal pet peeve when it comes to pitches from PRs, which I'm sure editors probably say to freelance journalists too, <laughs> but it's like a half-baked pitch or, yeah. you know, like, the, you know, what about this place? Or what about this thing? And I'm like, well, I don't know what about it. I don't know anything about this product or this service or this place that you're talking about. And if you aren't able to give me a compelling reason for why I should spend my time mm-hmm. pitching it to an editor, then then, like, what are we doing here? Why are you not like why are you wasting my time? but As as freelancers, we don't get paid unless our pitches get accepted, right? Right. Right. There's a lot of unpaid time that goes into answering emails, that goes into a lot of the logistics and the bookkeeping. So, if if we're able to open your email, then I want to I want to know exactly what you're offering so that I know is this something that will work with any of my editors? Is this not?
0: So being able to
1: be concise to journalists is going to make the relationship much more mutually beneficial I think
0: yes you've told me before that pitching headlines in the subject line is really helpful to you ways that so that you can envision you know how the story would actually be what's the headline you know, give you a little Mm -hmm. bit clear and concise like that
1: yeah definitely and there's been plenty of um times when a PR has pitched me a headline and I thought wow that is a good headline let yeah. me see if my editors, you know, because a right. headline <laughs> right. can, can encapsulate a story and you, you kind of know if a story has legs, if you're able to summarize it into a headline sometimes. Yeah. Um, sometimes it doesn't work that way. But, you know, if I can look at the headline, I'm like, oh, this is something that's interesting. I can click the email. I can read through the details. Then I can pitch it to my editor. It can be that quick or yes. I cannot. But if if there's no... Bullet point of what you're trying to tell me, right? Of what what is the point of your email? Then it, it's a lot more difficult to, as a journalist, stop, spend my time thinking about. Okay, let me digest all this information,
0: right? Let me
1: figure out what is an angle that I can create, what right. is a headline that I can create, and then spend my time pitching that to my editors. Yeah. Right. So it's like you're if you're able to take the headline off of the plate of the journalist, if you're able to take the angle off the plate of the journalist, then then that can shorten the gap between me opening the email and me pitching it to my editor.
0: Yes, that's great advice. We often say that our job is to make the journalist's jobs easier, but then that is not what always happens. So I really appreciate that advice for sure.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's also, you know, conversation between journalists of like, what do PRs expect? And I think that at the end of the day, the public relations is an asset to journalism, but it's not, we don't answer to PRs, right? Because if we answer to PRs, then that would be unethical, right? Like, so it's always like, I have to see if this aligns with, like, my ethics, and if yeah. it does, then we go for it. If it doesn't, then I can't go for it, and mean, there's nothing I can do about that, right? Sure. So it gets really complicated sometimes. I feel like the the relationships, but it doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it.
0: Yeah, agree. Do you only write about places that you've been?
1: No, okay. I I also write about places that I haven't been, but I think it depends on the type of story, right? If it's a uh, story that is more like a listicle or something right you know of these places it's right. fall right now so there's a million fall foliage stories right <laughs> yes, I, yes I I don't think that any of those writers have been to every single one of the fall foliage places that right. they are listing They're just so that's research. like exactly that's like one example of a, of a place that you wouldn't necessarily go to every single one to write right. about but Um, I did a story recently for a far on, um, these main wind jammers in Maine, and that's a story that I wouldn't have been able to write
0: had I not been there. Right. Right. Yep. That makes perfect sense. So before we go, I must ask about your, um, upcoming big adventure (laughs) at some point here of slow travel South through central and South America. You must tell us more.
1: Yes, so I am hoping to go to Central and South America as part of a opportunity to have some immersive Spanish speaking opportunities. That's one of my goals is to learn how to speak Spanish fluently. I can understand a bit but not communicate in a way that is helpful to me. Okay. And so that's that's something that I kind of want to do and also because As a freelancer, I'm not really tied down to one destination. I kind of want to take advantage of that flexibility right now and just be able to take my time experiencing different cultures and engaging with different local communities. And I'm really excited about the stories that I'll be able to tell and the opportunities that I'll have. There's only so much that you can see or experience
0: on a two-week trip. anywhere you go, right? Right, And even with a lot of us one week trip. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, one week trip, even less. So I I think that I'm trying to write more stories about different cultures and go deeper into those stories. So what I don't want to do is parachute journalism, where you just pop in, you see things the way you see them, you write the story and you're gone. And so that's one of my goals for this upcoming slow travel journey is to be able to actually be there and be listening and not have this pressure of a deadline or this pressure of finding a story and just kind of living and experiencing what life is like in this destination. And if a story comes out of it, a story comes out of it. Right. But I think that there's so many stories that are below the surface level when you take the time to slow down, to just be, to interact with people. And then, and those are the stories that are typically from the more marginalized voices, because those people don't have the same resources to maybe hire PRs, right? Or or they don't know how to utilize their um, social currency in the same way. There's so many different levels of privilege that dictate what gets seen in media and what doesn't get seen in media right so being able to kind of take my time and get to know people in different areas and hear different stories I'm really hoping to be able to share some incredible incredible narratives
0: and features Yes, it makes me so excited to read them. <laughs> I can't wait. So, is the Thank plan you. not to really have a plan either, and just yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah? I think that's the the general plan is to take it one day at a time, or yeah. not one day at a time, but probably sure, um, like one quarter at a time, three months yeah. at a time.
0: You plan to do it yeah. for a year, or how long?
1: That's a great question.
0: <laughs> I. Uh,
1: don't have any kids and I don't have any animals so I don't really have restrictions in terms of timing I think the plan is to go until I don't want to go anymore (laughs) and then I'll stop how
0: how fabulous hopefully we can get you down to Peru at that point
1: yes I would love to that's (laughs) definitely that's definitely on the agenda so
0: Wonderful. We'll be be tw- towards contact. the end, I guess. Yes. <laughs> you'll, make it, you'll make it by then. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll be like <laughs> emailing you in three years. Like, <laughs> like ready to go to Peru. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awesome. Well, how can listeners connect with you online and follow along on your travels?
1: You can find me on social media. I am I use Instagram a lot. I'm trying to figure out TikTok, but I don't know okay. about that. You're doing well. <laughs> you're doing well. I like it. <laughs> I feel like I'm not chaotic enough. I I think. <laughs> I mean, I personally, I'm chaotic, but I don't know if I have that. You do come across chaotic. that chaotic.
0: Right. Yeah, like
1: across like platforms. Um, but yeah, Instagram is probably the best way to follow along, or if you're wanting to connect about business or consulting or whatever freelancing, you can reach out through my website, ionabrandon.com. I have a not often sent newsletter and I okay. have a little like outreach intake form that you can just fill out and it goes to my inbox and I will reach out.
0: Yeah. And on Instagram, it's Iona wanders. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We cannot wait to follow along on all of your adventures.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Angela. I really appreciate it as
0: well. That's all for this episode of Media and Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.